Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
There's something really true in that song about how prone we are to wander and how we keep on meaning to be more faithful. We keep on meaning to lean on God. So in the posture of leaning, let us pray. God, you wake us to this new day, to something new that you are stirring within us, a new adventure, a new school year, a new connection to a friend, a reconnection to our past. Whatever newness is being stirred up, may we find roots in you, in your steadfast love that has been available to us since the beginning of time. May we sink our roots into you, O Lord, so that as we grow up and out, even quickly at times, we are unafraid of who will sustain us. We already know, O Lord, that our sustenance comes from you. And so in a posture of gratitude, O Lord, we worship you. Amen. I invite you now to stand and to sing. Just follow along with Mac. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deep stained with sin, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the water lifted me, and I say, am I love lifted me, love lifted me. are rewarded for getting it right, we now come to the part of the service where we admit where we get it wrong. And it's pretty strange when you think about it to gather a room full of people, some friends, a lot of strangers, and we admit that we mess up. 
especially in, in God's will and God's um, desire for our life, we fall short. But there's a freedom that comes with admitting that we don't have to have it all together, that God's grace and God's forgiveness can soak into us and free us. So with that invitation to be free, I invite you to pray with me. The words are in your program. God, you created the earth and all that is in it. We confess we do not define ourselves in you. Instead, we turn to our work, our families, and our hobbies to define us. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Help us to understand our identity in you. Hear us as we pray silently. baptismal waters that we remember Christ's forgiveness available to each of us, no matter our journey. So hear and receive this good news in Jesus. We are forgiven. We get to live in peace. Amen. We've got a lot of awesome stuff happening in the coming weeks and months, whether it's home group sign up, youth and tiny theologians, book studies, front porch party, kids singing. If you want cookies, you got to bring your cookies, but um, <laughs> talk to Sally about that. But uh, just look at the uh, program. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We'd love to get to know you more um, and do so and grow in our faith together. So today we're starting a new sermon series and the scripture comes from the book of Ruth, chapter one, verses one through five. Hear now God's word to us. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malhan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. 
But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite, Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Chilean also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. This is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So like I said, today we are starting a four-part sermon series. And we're looking at scriptures that help us understand the ways we define ourselves. It's called, Who Am I Anyway? It's a question, and a large, somewhat complicated question. It's a question we ask ourselves. We ask it daily. When we choose which outfit to wear. Maybe if we're looking at buying a new car. I really want a minivan. Gardner doesn't. When I decide whether I'm going to have Bojangles or a salad for lunch. And if you know me, you know which one I usually pick. Our identity, whether we realize it or not, is something most of us wrestle with constantly. We wrap up our identity in the decisions we make, the hobbies we pursue, and the people we love. So throughout these next four weeks, Dawn, Charles, and I are going to explore the ways that we and various biblical saints attach our identities to people, places, and communities. And from my experience as a pastor, a chaplain, and a friend, these questions of identity are often asked in the wake of tragedy. When we lose parts of what we understand ourselves to be. When people that we love die. And although the narrator doesn't say so, I can imagine that Naomi within her deep grief and mourning, is saying to herself, my husband has died, my sons have died, who am I now? But the story doesn't end there. And to give Naomi the context she deserves, I'm going to give a quick summary of the book of Ruth. The story is mostly set in Israel, in the time after Egyptian slavery and after the wanderings in the wilderness for 40 years. But it's before the kingdom of Israel has formed with Solomon and King David. There are these leaders called judges, and they're ruling, and things are not going well. The final line of the book of Judges, which appears right before Ruth, says... In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. So things were bad. And to make it even worse, there was a famine. So Naomi and her family go to Moab, a neighboring nation. While she's there, her husband dies. We don't know how. And then her two sons get married to local women from Moab. And then both her sons die. 
So Naomi, who lived within a culture and a time where her identity was entirely built upon who she was married to and who her offspring were, is now alone. So she returns to Israel and she instructs her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, to not come with her, saying basically, you'll be better here. You won't be dealt with kindly as a foreigner in Judah. Orpah listens to her and goes back to Moab. But Ruth does perhaps the most loving thing she could do and says, no, I'm sticking with you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Probably the most famous line in the entire book. Ruth is loyal to Naomi. And Naomi becomes a mentor to Ruth. So while she's back in Bethlehem, Ruth meets an eligible bachelor, Boaz. And Naomi, who kind of plays this matchmaker role, is thrilled about this meeting because Naomi is related to Boaz and says that he is one of upstanding character. So Naomi encourages Ruth to be intentional and go after Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth spend some time together. And then Boaz, as things were done in this context, wants to purchase a piece of land from Naomi. And he does so. And in doing that, he also acquires Ruth as his wife. Ruth and Boaz have a son, Obed. I mean, this alone could be a happy ending. The widowed foreign Moabite Ruth finds a husband. They raise a family. Naomi, who has lost so, so much, is now a grandmother. But to the Jewish people to whom this story was intended, it is of critical importance to their identity. The personal question of Naomi's, who am I, helps answer the communal question of any ancient Jew or modern Christian. See, Naomi's grandson, Ruth's son, is named Obed. Obed becomes the father of Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of David. This is David who would strike down the great Philistine, Goliath. David who would become king. David who would help build the kingdom of Israel. Rachel Held Evans in her book, Inspired, emphasizes the importance of how holy stories packed into our scripture force us to remember. And in our remembering, it helps us to shape our present and our future. Like when reading the creation account, she says, remember how God created the earth so intentionally and with care. Or when reading the early stories of Genesis, remember how messy and unstable the first followers of God were? Or in reading this scripture today, remember how the spirit of God was embodied in the flesh of a widow named Naomi. Remember her story, remember Naomi, remember Ruth, and remember that even in their loss, they laid the foundation for the kingdom of Israel.
The Israelites read this having experienced trauma after trauma. The kingdom of Israel had been conquered, abused, and destroyed by their enemies. They knew exile and desolation. Their collective loss cannot be emphasized enough in understanding why Ruth and Naomi and the underdog motif are so important to a Jewish understanding of God. And in that exile and desolation, they look to this story to remember that God works through people who know loss. That God's presence is not dependent on our well-being. And that God picks up our broken pieces and uses us to love in a world riddled with pain. This past week, I thought a great deal about loss and pain. And it wasn't through firsthand experience, but by following a news story. You might have seen that parts of eastern Kentucky face some of the worst flooding in the history of the state. As of today, 37 Kentuckians are confirmed dead, with many still unaccounted for. And I was listening to an interview on the radio. And I heard a resident of Hazard, Kentucky, saying in disbelief and lament, I've lost everything. We've lost neighbors, our schools, our churches. We've lost good people, and I don't know what we're going to do. This strong man of Appalachia stands tall in the muddy rubble of disaster and asks himself, who Am I now? This news story took me back six years. When I was in Raynell, West Virginia, in that community, in a different state, but similar in geography, poverty, and resiliency, when they faced their own 1,000-year flood. I remembered the water rushing off the hill. I remembered the tired and drenched neighbors climbing our stairs to safety. I remembered the shadowed windows on Main Street, the boats going door to door, calling out for survivors. I remember being held up in an upper room of a sanctuary for days. And I remember the hopelessness I felt in leaving that community at the end of the summer, knowing just how hard it would be for them to recover. I remember asking God, why? But I also remember Naomi. I remember Ruth. And I remember Jesus on the cross. And I choose to remember because it's easy to get stuck in issues of theodicy around loss. And theodicy is just a big word that means what role does God play in death and destruction versus blessings and goodness. And the Bible doesn't have one view, but rather many views on where God exists. But for me, the cross is the cornerstone to which our faith rests. And for the early Christians, the cross was not just the end of Jesus' life, but the beginning of a new life 
for everybody. And at the cross where Jesus hung, we see that God's place in suffering is not distant. It is not some divine child abuser pulling strings far off in the clouds, picking and choosing where floods come to destroy or when disease comes to devastate, but rather God incarnate chose to hang on the cross beside us. And that choice affirms that God will actively choose to suffer with us, to sit in the hospital rooms beside us, to stand behind us in the muddy rubble of Appalachia, to sit with Ruth and Naomi in their grief, and to walk with us even as we take the smallest steps after losing someone we love. But notice I'm not preaching to folks in Kentucky right now. I wouldn't preach this sermon to Naomi days after her family died. As many of us know all too well, when you're staring lost in the face, when the wound is so starkly real, the story of Ruth and Naomi might seem too distant because the idea of anything close to a happy ending is a fairy tale. Naomi didn't need any abstract divine promise that day. She didn't need thoughts and prayers. She needed her daughter-in-law, her friend, to say, I will not abandon you. Where you go, I will go. So if you're listening to this and you're sitting in grief, And you're asking yourself, who am I without my spouse, without my husband, without my parent, my friend, my teammate, my child, my person? If that's you, then let this church fill the role of Ruth. Where you go in your grief journey, we will go there too. And at some point in that journey, we will be with you there to remember. To remember that the question, as complicated as it seems, can be quite simple. Who am I? I am loved. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Remember. Thanks be to God. Amen. I ain't lonely, but I spend a lot of time alone. I'm okay with staying home My how the last few months have changed Smiling more despite the pain I breathe in And I 
breathe out Got friends to call who let me talk about What ain't working What's still hurting All the things I feel like cussing out Now and then I let it go I ride the waves I can't control I'm learning how So here we go. Y'all, y'all all right with that? <laughs> so, so from the end of the end of the break. Second, we, we're gonna go right there. Start. <laughs> okay. Okay. From like just like the kickoff. One, two. I feel like cussing out. 
Now and then I let it go I ride the wheels I can't control If it's working I don't know When I get done the thing may not flow But I'm learning how to build a better boat That's a little rough. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. Let us pray. God, you know who we are. You know it better than we do. And so when we are lost, when we've lost touch with parts of ourselves, we look to you to help put our lives back together. You see the arc of our lifetime. You see what's behind us. You see what we're facing right now. You know what is coming. You know the arc of our lifetime and you know the arc of the human story, the story of your people. So as we remember the story of Ruth and Naomi, we remember those in this room who have known the loss of a loved one we remember those who have died too soon. We remember those who experience miscarriage and those who even now are holding the hand of a parent as they take their final breaths. We remember those for whom the death of a loved one will never make sense and never be okay. When we remember Ruth and Naomi, we remember those whose basic needs are threatened by natural disaster. And we remember those for whom every day is a struggle, every unanticipated bill in the mail, every turn of the market, every unspoken need. So we, your people, O oh Lord, we pray for your people. And we are thankful that you love us so much, you came in the form of Jesus so we would know we are never alone. We would know that you'd do anything to be near us, to be seen by us. May we see you. And hear us now as we pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Each week we affirm our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. This creed is older than everyone in this room and then some. And the reason we say these words together is so we can remember that God's faith has sustained humanity for far longer than we can even grasp and imagine. So I invite you to stand now and to affirm together what we believe. Beloved, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let the praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. I cannot fall Listening every moment To the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior As my all and all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of Christ My Savior Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God Friends, remember Ruth, remember Naomi, and remember that promise that you are loved. You are loved. And as you go out into this world, love God and love people, and may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.